morning. Good morning, good morning. This is uh, Mike. Welcome back to Thriving Theology. And today we should title this uh, Driving Late Theology because I am running late. Ugh. Running late. A few things I've forgotten to do that I needed to do this morning and made me a couple minutes late. But we'll see how traffic works out and maybe we'll be okay. Maybe, just maybe. Uh, yeah, what's going on with you guys? Um, here in Japan, we are in the uh, in deep autumn. Traditionally, this is already winter, I suppose. Um, in the in the traditional Japanese cultural way of uh, uh, looking at the seasons, uh, pretty much the first of November is winter, and the first of February is spring. Uh, of course, that doesn't really go by the equinox, but you know, whatever. To each his own, eh? Um, but man, the uh, the leaves um, are just on fire right now. They're in that you know late autumn kind of deep browns and reds. Um, few nice bright reds left, uh, especially in the momiji or the Japanese maple tree, which are quite famous for their all colors. Um, but today, unlike yesterday, we have a blue sky, and it's very warm, seasonably warm, uh, for late November. Uh, I think it's the 29th, the 30th, I Wow, I'm not sure. Let's see. So Sunday was the 26th. I know that because it was my birthday. Uh, and then 27th. Yeah, today's the 29th. It's Wednesday. Uh, anyway, um, we are entering the Advent um, season. For those of you who follow a uh, the liturgical church here. Um, you're quite familiar with Advent, uh, but uh, I grew up in a church that really didn't follow it at all. Um, in fact, I don't think our church decorated for Christmas or did anything really special for Christmas, not as a church. Uh, in fact, none of the churches uh, that I attended, I don't think really did much um, because there was a, uh, a, a distrust of uh, mixing um, religion and some of the holidays that were seen to have come from the Catholic tradition. Uh, things like uh, uh, the liturgical calendar pretty much excluded everything else. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not much ever went on there, but as a family, of course, we celebrated Christmas. and, and uh, But we had a you know, uh, since I grew up in a very textualist uh, sect, in other words, we uh, were very, uh, very much Bible idolaters. <clears throat> uh, we didn't believe necessarily that Jesus was born on uh, December 25th. And so, you know, there's always this disclaimer with Christmas constantly. You know, whereas, you know, this is 
yeah, this is Christmas and Santa Claus is okay, but you know, we don't know that Jesus was really born that day, so you know, he, he could have been born in the spring or the summer. The Bible doesn't say exactly when he was born, blah blah blah. So, there was always this distrust of the Jesus side of Christmas, which thinking about that today, where I'm at now, that just seems so sad. I mean, what a wasted opportunity uh, to spend some time on, on the birth of Jesus uh, during a time when the rest of the world is focused on it. Uh, and the Bible does devote, you know, more than a chapter uh, on the events surrounding Jesus' birth. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the conception of Mary by the Holy Spirit, on all of the prophecies involved, and, and uh, there's a lot more time spent there than any time until he's 30. Uh, and so it's definitely in the scriptures for a reason, and, you know, why not, you know, why not enjoy that time um, to talk about when God became flesh, when Yahweh uh, took on a man's body uh, in the person of Jesus, the baby of Jesus. And there's some pretty, you know, fantastic, uh, wonderful, awe-inspiring stories surrounding the birth of Jesus that I think are, are well worth um, looking into and celebrating. Uh, and why not do it while much of the world doing that as well. So anyway, I obviously I don't, I don't any longer have any qualms about celebrating uh, Christmas in that way uh, as the birth of Jesus. Um, now I'd say I've probably gone the opposite direction, you know, the, the quote-unquote um, secular side of Christmas uh, is something that I suppose uh, there's a little bit more Hmm, about, uh, certainly than celebrating the birth of, of Jesus. But even there, I, I, see, I see a lot of good that can come out of um, participating in the, in the celebrations and traditions uh, of Christmas. Um, I see St. Nicholas as a, as a pretty noteworthy guy um, who though maybe had a little bit of a violent streak in him, uh, was also um, uh, very devoted to the downcast and the poor in his community. I want to say he was from Smyrna uh, in Greece slash, slash Turkey. I think it's the borders have changed. So maybe Turkey today, but may have been Greece at the time. He was there, but anyway, um, the story of St. Nicholas is, is pretty amazing uh, in a lot of respects. First of all, what he did, I believe, at the Council of Nicaea, but it could have been a different council when he was uh, um, fighting Marcionism uh, and standing up against um, that heretical uh, doctrine. Uh, but especially the way that he treated the people in his community and he saw and uh, was not happy about the um, excessive uh, 
gathering of and spending of money by the clergy. That was something that was growing uh, out of proportion at the time. The clergy were becoming rich off the uh, the sin offerings and the, the, the guilt uh, of, of the normal people. And so this uh, creation of a uh, priest class, which was going on in his time, I, I think he more or less rebelled against that. And so he, he instead of uh, using the money for his own benefit, he tried to give it to those who needed it the most. For example, a woman, uh, you know, some of these are, of course, fables, prob- probably not completely true. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, um, they're what we have. Uh, I think one one fable is that the girl uh, in a family of many girls was un- unable to get married because there was just no dowry. There, were, there was no money to give to uh, the um, would-be husband, and so he provided the dowry, and he he would give anonymously. So how he how we know today that he did this? Uh, you know, that's that's one question we should ask, I suppose. You know, how do we know that if he gave anonymously, why do we have records of it? <laughs> but uh, uh, he did try to give anonymously, and I think there's, uh, you know, stories of him putting uh, money in shoes, for example, of the people who would leave them out, maybe to dry or to, to warm in the sun or whatever. Um, and so he believed in not only in, in not accumulating wealth himself as a member of the clergy, but he believed in giving to the poor and helping them in their times of need, uh, which I don't think was radical at the time, I, I think, but I think it was going out. I, I think uh, the clergy, he was seeing the trend or maybe even prophesying of what the church was to become. Uh, and then we see that, of course, of course, culminate in Luther's day when the Pope was selling um, indulgences. In, in other words, selling uh, forgiveness of sins to people who would donate money. Uh, and uh, I think I think maybe St. Nicholas saw that day and knew that that was a bad thing and did what he could uh, to combat that idea. Um, but anyway, we, we, Christmas is what it is now, right? Um, it's something we do. It's a tradition. It's it's uh, neither good uh, inherently nor bad. It's just something we do. It's part of being human in certain countries, uh, especially in the West, um, but more and more so here in Japan even. Uh, Christmas, uh, even Easter and Halloween uh, are being uh, celebrated and, and used as uh, days to sell goods and, and uh, food and, and uh, especially chocolate for most of those. Um, so I guess the question is, what do you do with Christmas now? Um, and and I think you, you do with Christmas what you do with every other aspect of your life. Uh, you know, you you do your best to honor Jesus by following him, taking care of the, the sick and the oppressed and the poor. Um, 
and the widows and the orphans. You do your best to 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 worship and honor him by doing those things. Uh, and uh, I think Christmas is no different a time. You know, you you should you should do um, during Christmas the same as you would do every other day of your life, and that is try to honor Jesus. Uh, and I think one way we can do that is to to, to go ahead and, and talk about when 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 uh, Yahweh became flesh, right? When when God came down uh, and the Creator God, the Creator God came down, and became flesh, and entered into the world of man as a vulnerable uh, mortal human, uh, and endured. A life of um, sorrow and suffering, all the while bringing joy and happiness and life uh, and forgiveness, peace uh, to all those he met or those who would accept it. Uh, and then finally died, uh, taking all the sins of the world upon himself and showing us who exactly God is uh, by showing us that. God is far from the the ty- tyrannical punisher that many of us think he is, but he is actually uh, the kind of God who would take the blame and the punishment for all the sins of the world upon himself and die a cruel and painful, agonizing death in order to, to assure us that he loves us that he loves us completely and unconditionally uh, and that he understands our plight. He understands uh, why we we cannot resist sin. He understands its strong pull on us. And he says, it's okay. He says, I've got this. I'm going to do this for you. And really, there's nothing more you need to do I will do everything for you. That's that's the God we have in Jesus. Uh, Paul talks about how knowing knowing God, um, for I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Right? Um, <clears throat> he talks about knowing who Jesus is, knowing Jesus as the the greatest possible good. And that everything else is as rubbish, right? For I consider the knowledge of uh, everything else rubbish, except for the, the the knowing of Christ, the knowledge of God. I don't remember how he says that exactly. Uh, so the picture of who God is that we get in Christmas uh, is is the picture of Christ entering into the world, God entering into the world in about the most normal, uneventful uh, position. You know, the, the son of a, of a worker uh, and a young woman. Uh, not wealthy, probably not connected, in fact, 
there's some scandal with this couple because she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. People assumed that she had had been uh, uh, an adulteress or, or at least um, a fornicator. That she had had sex out of wedlock, so there was probably that uh, stipulation there. And and, uh, and yet Joseph married her anyway. Um, and then he was born amongst animals in a, in a stable, uh, in a place where animals were kept because there was no room where the people were staying. You know, this is, remember, this is God, the creator of the universe, the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-knowing. Uh, he couldn't even find a room. There was no room for him. This is the package that he chose to enter the world in, right? Uh, as a as a newborn babe, uh, born to a, a, a poor, scandalous uh, family uh, who were out traveling and and had to be born in a stable amongst the animals. Uh, I wonder what that says. You know, what does it mean that God chose to be born amongst animals? Uh, it's an interesting thing. I wonder if it harkens back to the garden where the animals came first and then Adam came. Maybe the, the stable is a, is a picture of uh, the shadow of the Garden of Eden, possibly. Um, I don't know. But I'm always interested in God's current relationship or actually his ongoing relationship with animals and what's what that's like and what you know what kind of connotations there are um so yeah uh what do you do with christmas uh i think i think one thing that that we go wrong with christmas i think one place that we take it um way far away from the heart of Christ uh, kind of comes out in Black Friday. Uh, the idea that I need to provide whatever random gift for mine, my you know my little family, and then I'll go to no lengths to get it at a cheap price um, and to make sure I'll get one before December 24th. Uh, and the, just the, the crazy, rampant um, materialism that goes on on Black Friday, uh, I think I think we can look at that and point to that and say, hey, that's you know, that's detracting from the beautiful aspect of Christmas. Um, that is definitely a, a distraction uh, and a misrepresentation of what Christmas is all about. Um, and then you have all of the, the pressure, right? Uh, the pressure the parents feel to provide just the right present uh, that their kids demand and just the number of presents that their kids demand. Uh, then you have kids who have super high hopes of getting exactly what they want knowing that once in a while it doesn't happen and so Christmas can be a, a big disappointment as well. Um, there are those 
those moments too. And I've, you know, I've been on both sides of those, a parent of three daughters, um, but also growing up in a fairly big family myself, I, I, I get that. That's a real thing that happens, you know. Um, and that, that distracts and, and takes away from uh, the beauty and the mystery and the wonder that is Christmas. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, every family has, if they celebrate Christmas, every family has a way that they do it. Um, and I think what you can do today is start to turn the ship a bit. You know, maybe maybe you want to do it drastically and maybe you think that that'll be okay or maybe you just want to, you know, start to turn it just a bit. Um, so as not to shock everybody and, and ruin Christmas. But I think one thing you can do is look outside your little clan and find out what you can do for the people that, that God has put around you during this season. I think Christmas is a wonderful opportunity for that. And in, in the you know in the West, in America and Europe at least, it, it does happen during a very cold time. So there are you know there are people out on the streets um, needing money and clothing and shelter. <clears throat> what a great time to be reminded of the wonderful gift uh, that that Jesus gave us at Christmas, and that is uh, protection from the wrath of God and freedom from from sin. Now, mind you, when I say the wrath of God, I, I have a specific meaning that I that I know that to be. When I say the wrath of God. I mean the natural consequences of sin. I think that's how the the Bible talks about it. And if you look deeply at that, I think you'll come to the same conclusion that I have. Uh, of course, I've been led to that conclusion uh, by some authors. But I don't mean what I don't mean is is that God was so amped up that He had to punish somebody, and, and Jesus stepped in the in the gap and took our punishment. Uh, I don't believe that God is that kind of God, because I believe God is exactly like Jesus. So I, there's something else going on there when it talks about the wrath of God. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think I think one way we can, we can celebrate Christmas well uh, is to look outside of our, our own family and ourselves and, and try to find a way uh, to to bless other people, uh, and I think that's uh, hopefully that's a rhythm of your life already. If it's not, you should you should think about making that a rhythm of your life. I could do better at that. Um, so yeah, I, that's definitely one thing I, I think that that uh, you could look at, you could think about. Um. Another thing would be to to start to um, work on the materialism in, inside your family. The the idea that Christmas is a time to spend gobs of money and get what you want. 
I don't know I don't know how you go about that. But I know one way would be to encourage your children to also look outside themselves, to, to become givers and not just receivers. Um, regardless of what they receive on Christmas, they can also be involved in the giving and helping and serving those in need. I think that would be a good way to go about um, starting to uh, turn the ship a little bit. And I think you can do it more and more every year. Uh, one thing that I, I think is, is lacking in, in some families, I'll just say it's lacking in mine, is um, encouraging my children to be givers in, even inside the family. Uh, first of all, they, you know, they're not going to have their, their hands on the purse strings like, uh, like the, the adults, obviously. So it's going to be a, a more difficult thing to do. But still yet, I think, you know, the idea that kids need to experience the joy of giving, not, not, not just for the joy of it, but I think kids are, are, you know, by by their nature, they're immature. Even if they believe in Jesus, they're still going to be more inward focused than outward focused. That's that's human nature. That's the sinful world that we live in. And so, helping them become more and more, uh, hopefully, outward focused, um, even a little bit, uh, I think will will go a long ways. And maybe, uh, maybe this is something you can start as this is the early part of the Christmas season. You know, as I'm saying these things, I'm, I'm of course being convicted myself of, of, of how I would like to better, uh, both honor Christ and celebrate his birth this year. And one of the things that came into my mind, um, if you've been in Japan much, you probably, Especially if you haven't been in the Tokyo area, you probably realize that that uh, there are homeless people that they're few, but they're few and far between, and quite difficult to find. They they often keep to themselves and are really good at um, uh, what do you call it? Um, taking care of themselves. They they actually take better care of themselves than homeless people in the West. I guess is the only way to say that they. They're quite neat a lot of times. Not not everyone. Now there are, there are exceptions, um, but they're quite shy. They don't seem to be quite uh, smack dab in your face. They they tend to to uh, try to hide themselves, and I think that that speaks uh, into uh, the Japanese culture and, and is very telling on, on the kind of institution of hiding one's weaknesses and not shaming one's family. Um, <clears throat> but as I think about this, I, you know, there, there are lots of things we could do. We could, I, I would love to go to a cold place one night and maybe put up a sign and just say, you know, free fresh coffee or, you know, free hot chocolate. Just sit there and make coffee for people and, and make hot chocolate and, and, uh, you know, just just serve people. Period. You know, they they don't have to be necessarily in need because all the people we meet are going to be in need of something. 
and, and maybe just the, the opportunity to sit down and have a, a cup of coffee and to, uh, you know, have a little hot chocolate uh, might be a great way that they'll loosen up and start talking a little bit, you know. I don't know. Maybe I'll practice that this afternoon. Ah, I forgot my chair, though. I want to bring chairs. Oh, well, maybe this weekend. What do you think, Pat? Maybe we should go somewhere and uh, set up our little camp stoves, uh, maybe set up a little fire pit, and uh, just offer free, fresh coffee and hot cocoa to people and uh, have them sit around and enjoy the fire. And yeah, What do you think, Pat? I bet, I bet you and I could get that together. Maybe go to Mito somewhere. I don't know where we could do an open fire. Maybe <laughs> kind of kind of dominate. But maybe we could find a place. I don't know. Even without the fire, maybe we can find a way to uh, you know bring blankets and quilts and make people feel warm and want to sit down and have some hot cocoa. So anyway, yeah, let's think about that, Pat. Maybe we could do that before um, before you take off to visit your family. And even if you won't do it with me, I'll find a way to do it. No pressure. Uh, yeah, so that's that's just one thing I kind of thought of doing. I, I have run into a, a, a homeless guy about three or four times and a homeless lady last year uh, who I tried to help. Or it was, it's actually it was last summer. Tried to help, but she kind of rejected my help. And... Uh, um, she may not have been homeless at all. She may have just been very old and out of it. But, uh, not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I guess my advice about Christmas, and, and again, it pertains to really every day, is, is trying to live like Jesus in every day. And that, that includes Christmas. And Christmas is a great opportunity. Um, because of you know it's winter setting, which is a you know time people uh, seek coziness and warmth, uh, and also because of the you know the the availability of the, just the word Christmas. You know, Christ. What does Christ mean? Who is Christ, and what did he do, and and what is this Christmas thing, and what is it all about? Um, and then with within your own own family, start to work on the the. Uh, um, existent materialism, the material aspect. Maybe even just, you know, take it down a notch. You know, you're not going to solve all your problems maybe this season, but, you know, this is the beginning of the season and a good time to start thinking about it. So, Sorry, let's drink some coffee and wait for a little road construction crew to let me through. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up right there. I'm going to say a very Merry Christmas and uh, hope, hope that you enjoy this Advent uh, season. 
And may you be truly blessed. And more than that, may you be a, a true blessing to others.